Thank you for joining us this Thursday on Hope for Today with Pastor Doug Solomon. And the title of our message is called The Message of the Cross. It comes from Luke chapter 22. And we'll begin reading with verse 47. When he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. Then Jesus answered them. He said, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he was healed. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guards, and the elders, who would come for him. Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Then seizing him, they led him away, and they took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. And a servant girl saw him seated there by the fire. She closely looked at him, and she said, This man was with him. But Peter denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else recognized him and said, You are the one of them. And Peter replied, Man, I am not. About an hour later, another person recognized him and said, Certainly, this fellow was with the Galilean. And Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept, he wept bitterly, Peter. The men who were guarding Jesus began to mock him, and they were beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophesy, tell us who's hitting you. And they said many other insulting things at him. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Christ, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me, and if I ask you, you will not answer. But for now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? And he replied, You are right in saying I am. Then they said to him, Why do we need more testimony? We have heard directly from his lips. Then the whole assembly rose up, and they led him off to Pilate. And they began accusing him, saying, We have found this man causing trouble in our nation. He opposed payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be the Christ, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, 
Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is, as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against him. But they insisted. He stirred up the people all over Judea by teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked the man, asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod to judge him, who was also in Jerusalem at the same time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased because he had longed to meet him. He had wanted to see him. He heard so much about him. He had hoped to see Jesus perform a miracle in front of him. So he asked him many questions, some about miracles. But Jesus gave no answer to Herod. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing Jesus. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed Jesus and mocked him. They dressed him in an elegant robe. They sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became the best of friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests and the rulers of the people. And he said to them, you have brought me this man as one who is inciting the people to rebel. I have ex examined him in your presence and I found no guilt. <clears throat> no basis to charge him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to me. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and will release him. With one voice, they cried out, Away with him! Release Barabbas to us. Barabbas had been thrown into prison for insurrection in the city as well as murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them once again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have punished him and then I will release him. But then the shouts grew louder and louder. They demanded that Jesus be crucified. Their shouts prevailed. So Pilate, deciding to grant their demand, he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, Barabbas, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As they led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, his country and put the cross on him and made him carry the cross behind Jesus. A large number of people had followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for Jesus. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs that never bore, and those that never nursed. Then he will say to the mountains, 
fall on us and to the hills cover us. For if we men do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Now two other men, both criminals, were led alongside Jesus to be executed. And I'll end there and I'll pick up the message tomorrow. But I want to take a look at this message of the cross. When we see a cross today, we see these nice ordained crosses made of gold and silver. We see crosses on Christian churches, mainly in a lot of American churches and churches in Europe. We see the cross in the Red Cross, the organization that helps during times of disasters. We also see the cross on many European flags sometimes of nations. We see it used as jewelry for non-Christians. But do people really understand what the cross means? In the first century, the wooden cross was meant as a capital punishment for criminals. Jesus would die as a criminal to be a substitute for us today as sinners, for the sinners. But he was not a criminal, as we saw. Uh, Herod found no guilt. Pilate found no guilt. But because of the people, he would die on a cross as a criminal. Some of the old hymns that we used to sing have retained the essential of Jesus being on the cross, talking about the blood, talking about him being bruised for our iniquity, our sins. But not many contemporary songs talk about the cross anymore. They don't even talk about the death of Christ. So I want us to look at this in a little deeper understanding of the cross of Jesus today. As this Thursday in Holy Week, as many Christians remember and celebrate what happened, not in a glorious manner, but in a manner of what took place, Jesus would become our substitute. Jesus would pay the debt that we could not pay. But I think of the garden experience when they were in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas approached Jesus. It was all pre-planned what he was going to do. Jesus knew what was happening. He knew when he saw the men coming with the swords and with their spears. He knew when the Judas was going to uh, kiss him to recognize who he was, kiss him on the, on the cheek, more than likely he would, he would recognize. But we see that Jesus told them, do not raise the swords, do not strike. But one of the disciples did and cut the ear off the man, the high priest's servant. Now Jesus could have just left it like that. But Jesus bent down and, and touched the man's ear and healed him. We just see the slight mention of that. We don't know the man's name and we don't know why the others did not recognize what had just happened. It was so quickly. But we see that they let him off. They beat him.
But then we see the story about Peter. Peter was there sitting by the fire in a distance, and he was recognized by a servant girl as being a follower of Jesus. But we see that Jesus had foretold that Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. But we see the servant girl recognized him, and we see that Peter denied. He said, I do not know him. And then someone else recognized him a little later, saying, you are one of them. And Peter said, man, I am not one of them. And then about an hour later, in Luke's Gospel, it tells us he, someone else recognized him, said he was with Jesus, the Galilean. And he said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. But then we hear of the rooster crowing. These details that are found in Luke chapter 20, 22 and 23, all these details are very specific. They were written down for you and I to know what was happening. We can have a vivid picture in our mind of what, it, what was happening. But then we heard the rooster crow. But verse 61 tells us, the Lord turned, meaning Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. He made eye contact with him. Another, another vivid picture. And Peter knew what he did. He remembered what the Lord had told him. And we see that Peter went out and he bitterly wept. He cried. But then we see Jesus being beaten, mocked by these men that were guarding him. They put a blindfold on him. They were making fun, saying, prophesy, who's hitting you? They said many other insults. We don't know exactly what they were, but we can imagine what they were. But we see that Jesus was brought before the council of elders, the chief priests and the teachers. And they asked him, a question said if you are the Christ tell us and Jesus said to them if I tell you you will not believe me and if I ask you you will not answer but from now on the Son of Man will be seated at right hand of God Almighty he was prophesying there he was telling what was to come but they asked him a question are you then the Son of God, and Jesus replied, You are right in saying I am. So they had already got what they thought they needed. They thought they had enough to get him for insurrection, enough to kill him, to have him killed. So they went to Pilate. They took him off to Pilate. And Pilate asked him the same. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, yes, it is as you say. But Pilate found out that he was a Galilean. So then he sent him to Herod. Now Herod had been wanting to meet Jesus personally, not because he wanted to, to, to know him, but he wanted to see a miracle. He wanted to see what was 
this Jesus all about that the people were following him in, in multitudes. But he asked many questions, but Jesus did not respond to give him any answers. So the chief priests were there accusing him, trying to stir things up. But Herod decided, you know, if he's a king of the Jews, then let's give him a robe. Let's dress him in elegant robe. But then Herod decided to send him back to Pilate. And he went before Pilate again. And Pilate's like, you brought me this man once, and now you're bringing him again. If Harry didn't find anything, then why should I? Said, I have examined this man once and found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to me. Pilate was saying he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him. He will whip him. And then he would release him. But then those same people that were crying about Hosanna to God in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These same voices were now calling for Jesus to die. They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. We can imagine the vivid picture of the people the ones that were praising him as he came in on the donkey, now would be the ones that were calling for him to die. Amazing. But he spoke to him, Pilate spoke to them again, and he says, why should I crucify him? What crime has this man done? I found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will punish him and have him released. But then the voices got louder and louder and louder. They began to shout with insistency. They demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts became louder and louder. Their voices, I can imagine. I think of loud voices shouting when they're shouting at a baseball game or a football game or a soccer game. People just shouting to the top of their voices, the crowds. But here they were not shouting for a sports team or for their favorite player. They were shouting for Jesus to be crucified. And we see that they released Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer and a thief. He created insurrection, something that they were trying to put on Jesus. But we also see about Simon, Simon of Cyrene. His name is mentioned specifically. These are more details that come out of the word. Jesus was carrying the cross on the way to Golgotha. And he more than likely fell as we see in the stories. You know, he was beaten pretty badly. But they made Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way in from his home country into Jerusalem. And they put the cross on him. They made him carry it, carry it behind Jesus. 
and we see a large number of people followed behind. There were women who were mourning and wailing. And we see in 28, Jesus said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves, for your children. For a time will come when you will, you will say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs they bore and that never nursed. And you will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. I think of that today, that Jesus was reminding them that there's going to come a time when they're going to be barren. There's going to come a time when they need to weep for themselves. Sure, they were sad, some of them, because of Jesus. It was customary to wail, to weep. It was a sad time. But I think about that time as we ended with the scripture. There were two other men, both criminals. Now, these were true criminals, and they were led out to be executed with Jesus when they came to a place called Golgotha, or the skull, they would be crucified along with him, Jesus, between two criminals. Jesus was not a criminal. There'd be one on his right and one on his left. So I want to close there saying the message of the cross has many meanings to us as Christians, but to other people, they see it as a piece of jewelry as an ornament, something you can make fancy, made of gold or silver, maybe with jewels encrusted, making it ornate. But it was a symbol of punishment. It was a symbol of death. But for you and I, as Christians, it also is a symbol of hope. It is a reminder of what Jesus did for us that he would hang on this cross. He would die on this cross. But it's a symbol of hope for us today because we know that Jesus was put in the tomb and Jesus would resurrect. It was all foretold in the scriptures as we're reading the story today in Luke chapter 22 and in Luke chapter 23, we see the bigger picture we see all that happened. There were many players there, many characters in the text today, in the writings. Judas, there was Peter. There were the characters that were around the fire that recognized who Peter was. There were the high priests, the elders, there were those people that were crying out Hosanna the week before, praising God, praising Jesus coming in on a donkey into Jerusalem. And then we see these same people are going to be the ones that are going to push the issue for his death. We see Pilate, we see Herod, major leaders, those in government, they had the choice to release him or the choice to punish him. We see that Pilate 
in one part of the scripture, he talks about him washing his hands. And when he turned Jesus back over to the chief priest, and they were, he was going to be executed. He was going to be hung on a cross, nailed to a cross to die. There's a bigger picture here today. It's the picture of what God did for us and what God does for us each and every day. He gives us the hope of eternity. So I want us to be reminded when we see a cross next time, it's not how beautiful it is. It's how precious it is of what God did for us by sending his son. As John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message of the cross today. We have everlasting life in and through believing in Jesus Christ. That's the message of hope we have to give the world today. Sure, it was a sad time, but it was also a time of victory because Jesus would overcome death. Jesus would overcome and show us as Christians in and through him, we can overcome the world. Shall we pray? Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, that we can understand some of the players that were in the message today. We can see the picture standing from the outside, looking in, looking back in time. But Lord, it's just not a good story or a sad story or a horror story, but it's a story of victory. It's a story of hope. Because even in this sad situation, Jesus was still telling us that he was the Christ. He was the promised Messiah. How the chief priests and the elders and the teachers of the law missed that. He was telling them that he was the Christ. He was telling them that he was going to be seated at the right hand of God Almighty. He told Peter the same thing, that Peter was going to deny him three times. And three times he did before the, the rooster crowed. Peter realized what he had done and he wept. We find out later in scripture that Peter was restored when Jesus talked to him and asked him who he was. And Jesus gave him a command three times to feed my lambs, to feed my sheep. As Christians, that's what we're to do. We're to spread the good news of the cross, the tragedy that took place, but the hope that took place on that cross, the hope that would take place in the empty tomb come Sunday. This is what it's all about today, folks. It's about the resurrection. It's the hope of eternity. We pray for those that don't know the Lord is their personal savior. We pray the message of the cross is a reminder to them that God can forgive. We can believe in him. We can trust him. 
We can walk with him each and every day. He walks with us. Even though the way looks uncertain, we can walk in faith, trusting the Lord is with us every step of the way. We pray if you don't know him as your personal savior, today can be that day. That you can begin anew. And you can walk the straight and narrow. The cross was the bridge. The cross was that restoration power. The hope of salvation. So I pray that if you have, if you want to make a decision, it's very easy. You just repent, ask God to forgive your sins, and believe. Amen, amen. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday on Hope for Today with Pastor Doug Solomon. And we look forward to joining you on Good Friday as we bring forth the message of what happened as Jesus would be laid in the tomb. Jesus, well, first he would be crucified between two criminals and he would be laid in the tomb for three days. But we know he didn't stay there. We already know the ending of the story, the message of hope. So thank you for joining us. Have a great day. God bless. Pastor Doug Solomon.